We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. This is the latest installment of Mavs Step Back Live. Uh, I've meant to come on here a little bit earlier, but uh, it's been a crazy morning. Uh, we just got the news that Kristaps Porzingis... Uh, has entered the NBA's health and safety protocols, which I believe, if my count is correctly, uh, if my count is correct, that's uh, 11 Mavericks that have been in protocols this year. And obviously, they just got uh, Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Maxi Kleba back. But, uh, you know, it seems like everyone except Dwight Powell <laughs> has, has entered. Uh, NBA protocols at this point. So, uh, Porzingis, he's going to miss tonight's game uh, against the Denver Nuggets. He missed the previous game against OKC uh, just for rest, and it ended up being a win anyway because that's the kind of stuff you can get away with when you play OKC. Uh, but he will not be available tonight when the when Luca and uh, the Mavs take on Nikola Jokic and the the Denver Nuggets. So. Uh, that's the latest as far as the protocol stuff. Uh, it looks like uh, everything's going to stay the same with the starting lineup uh, that it was in OKC. Uh, we talked about while Luca was out, he missed 10 games uh, due to an ankle-slash-knee injury, and that was the longest abs- injury absence of his career. And during that stretch, Jalen Brunson really stepped up. Uh, He averaged about 21 points a game, about seven assists a game. Uh, He has a uh, like a 3.5 assist to turnover ratio, which is really really good. Uh, And we made the case, or I made the case on DallasBasketball.com. I wrote about it uh, right there after Christmas that you know Jalen Brunson needs to remain a starter, even when Luca comes back. Uh, not just because he's capable of doing that, but, you know, with him being an unrestricted free agent coming up, you know, money is probably the biggest factor, but 
you know Jalen Brunson knows he is a, a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. And there will be other teams that will be willing to pay him or find a way to pay him and possibly give him a bigger role if the Mavs don't make this move now. So that was my case. Like, you know, go ahead and start Brunson now and give him that bigger role. Give him a bigger piece of the responsibility with Luka. He's shown that he can carry a load himself. Uh, and we've always talked about how Luka needs another elite playmaker next to him. That was the whole point, uh, you know, in the offseason when everybody was wanting to, the Mavs to sign Kyle Lowry. Uh, and they did go after Kyle Lowry, and they ultimately didn't get him. Uh, well, you know, the production that Brunson has shown as a starter – and even though he didn't score as many points, uh, starting with Luca last night, uh, he only scored 12 points, but he was six of 12 from the field. He still had seven assists. Him and Luca both uh, combined had 17 assists. The team as a whole had 28. <laughs> so uh, it obviously helps a lot to have another guy who can do that in your starting lineup. That way, if a team is just you know, focusing everything on Luca because they know nobody else can create. Uh, you know, it, it does it, it, it makes it harder for the offense to become stagnant because you have another guy who has shown that he can get his own shot or he can, you know, he can pass to an open teammate. And to Brunson's credit, uh, he's really worked on that. You know, he's if if you would have told me, you know, that he would average over seven assists, a little over seven assists as a starting point guard, you know, the last couple of seasons, it would have been a little bit harder to believe that because he was he was real bullish about, you know, going to the rim. And he kind of had tunnel vision sometimes, uh, even though he had his moments. But he's really developed into a true uh, secondary playmaking option. And the scoring is just, you know, the cherry on top. So, Kudos to Brunson. He's going to make a ton of money, whether it's with the Mavs or with somebody else. Uh, I hope it's with the Mavs. If they don't, if, if for any reason, even after they've already inserted him into the starting lineup, and uh, Jason Kidd even said after last night's game, he was asked if, uh, if this recent stretch by Brunson pretty much assures that this is his starting backcourt, Brunson and Doncic. Uh, for the foreseeable future. He said that, yeah, you could probably say that. <laughs> so, but even if that, all of this put together, if the Mavs still have any kind of doubt whatsoever uh, that that they're not going to be able to sign Brunson, who is, again, going to be an unrestricted free agent and could potentially walk for nothing, if for some reason they think that, then, you know, you have to consider – your trade options heading into the trade deadline in late February, I believe. So I, you hope it doesn't get to that point, but if it does, you know, that it's, it's a win-win situation at this point for the Mavs. In my opinion, some people have said, Oh, well, his contract just isn't enough to, uh, to get the Mavs something worthwhile in a trade. Uh, but I think he's played well enough now to where a team would be able uh, would be willing to you know make a big splash to get him in the door before he gets to unrestricted free agency. That's just that's just my take on it. Uh, at this point, though, I think it would probably be better to get him locked up long term, and then if something comes along later down the line, then you know 
you can try and trade him then. But uh, it's a win-win situation for the Mavs. The way he's playing right now, it helps them out uh, in the short term and on the court the rest of this season. And then, uh, you know, long term as well if they keep him. But uh, if not, it's also a plus for his trade value. So um, just talking about Luca real quick, too. Uh, he came back, he had a brace on his left knee uh, that he played with, and uh, for the most part, he, he looked okay. It was your typical, you know, I've been out for 10 games and I've got to knock off some rust kind of stuff. He he only shot 6-14 from the field. Uh, I think we were. it was like four minutes left in the third quarter, and Luca only had like seven field goal attempts at that point. <laughs> So he, he wasn't really looking for his own shot. Uh, he only scored 14 points in the game, but he nearly had a triple-double. Uh, had uh, 10 assists and 9 rebounds. So uh, typical Luka stuff, even when he's not 100%, he's still almost getting you a triple-double. Uh, he had a really insane pass uh, to Maxi Kleba. Uh, it was a behind-the-back pass and went directly to Kleba at the end of the game. They were up by four, and it was it was late in the game. The Thunder had a little bit of momentum. They were cutting into the lead, and uh, he had an insane behind-the-back pass to Kleba that uh, ended up in a made three for Maxie and put the Mavs up seven, and they ended up winning for good. So uh, Luca it's going to take him a little bit to get back to where he needs to be. But uh, for the most part, I'm not worried about it. I mean, he's he's been out for so long now, it's going to take him a little bit to get a rhythm. Uh, but as soon as he is 100% and with the way Jalen Brunson is playing and then you've got some really encouraging signs from other guys like uh, uh, Reggie Bullock, who struggled heavily earlier this season. And ever since he's come back from NBA protocols, uh, he has been – he's looked more like the old Reggie Bullock. Uh, so, hope that continues. I always said that he is way too good of a shooter for his career uh, for that poor shooting to carry on, you know, into the second half of this season uh, and hopefully into the playoffs. So, I'm glad to see that he's kind of turning a corner. Uh, during the stretch where Luca was out, Sterling Brown started to play a little bit better. Uh, all of these guys can still improve too. You know, it's, that's how bad it was early on. Even though they've had a, <laughs> even though they've had a good stretch of uh, recent play, there's still a lot of improvement to be done. Uh, Josh Green, he got he's been getting some uh, extended time lately. And one thing I really liked in the OKC game was. With Jalen Brunson starting, you know, that, that was one of the questions everybody was like, oh, well, if Jalen Brunson starts, what's going to happen with the second unit? Who's going to run the second unit? We're not going to have any playmaking. Well, Josh Green is arguably your third best passer on the team, so why not just put him at point guard on the bench unit until you, you know, potentially get Goran Dragic on a, on a buyout situation or something of that nature. Why not put Josh Green there and just, you know, utilize his best attribute so far as a second-year player? Uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, it didn't happen, you know, for too long. Uh, but just seeing Josh in, in there running that second unit, uh, it, it brought a smile to my face because it's like, you know what, that's probably <laughs> that's probably the best spot for him right now. 
uh, and surround him with some guys that can shoot. I, I wish he could, and I, I tweeted this out the other day, I wish that Tim Hardaway Jr. could instill uh, just a little bit, not all obviously, but just a little bit of his uh, his shooting confidence into Josh Green because uh, he's got the tools. He's just so hesitant. Uh, there's been many times where he's passing up a wide-open corner three to do something else, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it ends up in a turnover, but you know, I think he just needs a little bit more confidence there. Um, Ike in the in the chat says, uh, "Still got Frank Nilakina." That's true, uh, but he was a did not play coach's decision last night, so I don't know what's going on there. You know, with Bullock back uh, and the way Josh Green has played lately, you kind of wonder if uh, if Josh Green has taken uh, taken Frank's spot. You know, taking his minutes in the rotation, uh, but. Anyway, guys, I mean, that's that's where we're at. A lot of guys, they, they've been stepping up uh, when Luka was out, and then Luka came back, and they got a really gritty win. The defense remains a really big positive for this team uh, as the season progresses. You know, out of all the stuff that, that we have uh, complained about this year, the defense is one thing that seems like it's, it's stayed pretty consistent throughout. There's been a couple of exceptions, but – you know, every time you turn around, the Mavs are holding an opponent opponent under 100 points. There's just a handful of times where they can't score <laughs> over 100 points themselves. So uh, I'm encouraged. They're 18 and 18, fresh slate, you know, 500. We're at the start of a new year. Uh, if you look at the Mavs' January schedule, and by the way, before I continue continue on here, if anybody wants to speak, you know, feel free. I'm I'm flying solo today, so I'm I'm more than happy to talk to you guys about anything I want to talk about. Send a speaker request. I'll get you up here, and just you know, make sure to put it on mute until until you're speaking, and it makes things sound a whole lot better. But if you have anything you want to talk about, send a request. Uh, but yeah, if you look at the Mavs schedule in January, it's not that bad. You know, they've got let's see. Last night, so it was 16 games, and they played last night, so there's 15 games left. And if I counted correctly, there's eight of those 15 games uh, versus teams under 500. And even the games that they play where you know the teams aren't under 500, there's still a handful of games that the Mavs are more than capable of winning, in my opinion. So it could be a really good month for the Mavs. With Luka coming back, uh, if he can knock off the rust – fairly quickly uh I, I think it it really helps your team having everybody back now obviously the 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 Christoph's Porzingis thing is a blow but my hot take is and KP has been great this year I don't want people to get mad at me because I said this but my hot take is you know KP being out doesn't really affect winning or losing as much when Luca is available that's just that seems to be the trend, you know. Uh, you know the, the Mavs, the, they don't really. It's not really determined whether they win or lose if it's just KP and Luca's out, uh, and you know Jalen Brunson kind of filled in for that Luca role during that time. If he wasn't there, you know, it's it's not a stretch to say that KP wouldn't be able to carry the Mavs the same way if he doesn't have a a, a co-pilot there. So. 
Uh, I don't think it necessarily changes the Mavs' chances like in tonight's game against the Nuggets, uh, especially with the way 10-day contract man Marquise Chris has been playing. Like, man, have, have y'all watched this dude? This dude hadn't played in a game since like before Christmas of last year when he was with the the Warriors, I believe. And he has come in and just been so impressive to me. He's a lively body. Uh, he, he's great in the pick and roll. Uh, he splashed down three three-pointers, made all three of his threes last night, and every one of them came off of assists from Luka. I mean, this dude is legit. And I'm not saying he's going to be like a starter or anything or a full-time starter, but the Mavs have to find a way to get this guy on the main roster signed to a real contract for the rest of this season. Now, you know, no more of this hardship stuff, no more of this, uh, you know, 10-day, he might be here, he might not be. Like, come on, go ahead and sign the guy. And Tim McMahon tweeted it a while ago, and I mentioned it the other day as well. You know, the the most logical way for keeping him is to waive Willie Colleystein. And I know the Mavs don't want to do that, uh, mainly for trade reasons. You know, that $4 million he's making and he's on an expiring deal, that could be a, you know, a good trade chip to throw into a potential package if something comes along. So I get why they're delaying it. But when it comes down to it, like who's gonna want who's gonna want Willie Colley Stein as part of a trade, even as an expiring, when he's been out for five weeks and there's like no there's no end in sight, you know, he's just he might not even ever play again. I mean we we just don't know. So that's the easiest thing. I don't know when it's going to happen, but, you know, uh, Chris just signed his second 10-day contract, and I feel like it's going to happen within the next week uh, when he makes the team for real and, you know, stays on the team because, again, he has helped a ton. He is arguably the Mavs' third best big, possibly second, and he was in street clothes a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and hadn't played in an NBA game in over a year. So that, that that's insane. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but anyway, enough of my rambling. I'm going to start bringing a couple people on here. Uh, Austin Lamb was first. Austin, my guy, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, I appreciate you bringing me up. Um, and just real quick, again, just publicly, just want to thank you guys at the uh, at the pod for sharing that fun. You know, recently after the storm came through my town, I thought that was super cool of you guys. I really appreciate it. Um, but moving on to uh, the basketball side of things, I just want to say, like, when I saw Chris confidently step into a three-pointer in that game last night and then he made it i was like all right max contract active roster let's lock him up because (laughs) uh i haven't seen anyone besides kp or maxi that's like a big man be able to do anything remotely close to that for the mavs and uh in the years since Dirk left. So and look, that was a, and look, man, it, a it, huge thing. It's not, it's not like one of those things where he, he banked one in or, you know, it kind of rolled around and he got, you feel like he got <laughs> lucky. Like it didn't even hit rim. He was, when I say splashing, I truly mean he was splashing three pointers and he just, he he has all the confidence in the world and all the energy in the world, and I just I, I'm so glad the Mavs picked him up when they did. Yeah, I I totally agree, and I think, um, you know, I'm I'm still not sure where we're at as far as you know championship contention this season. I, I think, you know, with COVID and the protocols and everything, it's it might just be kind of a crapshoot, and maybe we get some things to fall our way, and and we're you know able to make a run. Can you hear me? Uh, I'm sorry. Can you can you guys hear me? Yeah, I, th- I think you cut out there for a second. But, uh, yeah, I've, look, I mean, I'm not going to get too far out. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with, you know, these pickups the Mavs have gotten. And I think it's kind of opened up the front office's eyes a little bit too. Like, okay, like <laughs> we're signing these dudes off the street and they're completely outshining our current roster. Like maybe we need to go ahead and make a change after all. Like I think this was a, a blessing in disguise as long as and I said it beforehand too. I said, this could be a silver lining for the Mavs so long as like nobody actually gets like really sick. Uh, from the COVID stuff, but you know, because they've had to do this hardship stuff, it's given these guys opportunities that they probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. 
You know, it's uh, yeah. it's it, and even like with Brandon Knight, and he he's in NBA protocols now as well. But before that, you know, Brandon Knight, we hadn't heard from Brandon Knight in like two years. You know, he he hadn't he hadn't played meaningful NBA basketball in like two years, maybe over two years. And you know, he comes in and provides a spark, and he had like 18 points in that big win over Portland on the road with Luke out. Like just crazy stuff happening, and I'm 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 happy these guys are getting opportunities. And again, I hope that uh you know the Mavs resolve this this Chris thing pretty quickly because there there is no way they can let him move on uh, without getting a normal contract. Like if <laughs> like if Chris totally. if if for some reason this next ten day contract expires and they don't sign Chris to a real one. And like he goes to the Lakers or something, I'm going to be very upset. Like that, that just can't happen. Yeah, I, uh, I think it would just be complete malpractice if, if something like that happened. And just last thing I wanted to throw out there, I saw Ike mention it in the chat, but I got to say when, when Kid was hired, I was very unsure, not even from like the personal, stuff but just like from a pure basketball standpoint I was just unsure but you know it's I'm I don't know if impressed I don't know if that's kind of like a strong word to throw out there uh but I feel like he's done a very good job of keeping the team competitive that's you know what Ike said in the chat there so I just you know I feel like if we can get full strength and maybe bring a guy in here or there um you know, I'm feeling very optimistic about the team. Look, I, I'm not – I'll make no bones about it, and thanks, Austin, for coming up and talking. I really appreciate it. And like you mentioned at the at the very beginning, I'm, I'm glad uh, your your hometown in Kentucky, We I'm glad we were able to help a little bit with that. I, I saw Mark Cuban gave a very generous donation uh, to the relief efforts there, and that was really cool to see. But appreciate you coming up and talking. But – Man, look, I, I'm, I'll make no bones about it. I am impressed with what Jason Kidd has done. You know, we saw what we saw during that stretch. You know, and consider this. The Mavs had won, like, two games over the last two seasons when Luka uh, didn't play. So when you consider that Luka didn't play for ten games, you would think that that would pretty much be a season killer <laughs> for this current team. But – uh, you know, Jalen Brunson has taken the next step, and a lot of it is on Jalen Brunson for doing the work and, you know, believing in himself. And uh, But, you know, a lot of it has to do with Jason Kidd, too. I think he has instilled a lot of confidence into Brunson, and I think he has unlocked this new form of Brunson that we haven't seen in previous years uh, because he believes that he can be more than just, a, you know, a reserve guard off the bench. And, you know, other than other than the other night when uh, – oh, shoot, I've, I've already forgot what game it was. But the Mavs, they had a chance at the end of the game. Uh, it was the Kings game. It was the first Kings game. They had a chance at the end of the game uh, up two, and the clock was winding down. I think there was like a two- or three-second difference between the shot clock and game clock. And instead of, you know, just trying to – get as good of a look as possible, they opted to run the clock down as far as possible. 
And I thought that was a mistake. You know, Jason Kidd, he had coached a very good game up until that point. And then, you know, that was one mistake that I thought they, you know, they they put too much into the, the clock situation when there wasn't very much of a difference anyway. And then you had Dwight Powell in the game instead of KP at the end, and it resulted in, you know, uh, a Metu corner three at the buzzer, and they ended up losing by one. So that was a blemish. But, you know, for the most part, over this 10-game stretch, Jason Kidd has shown that he can he can coach these guys up. You know, he, he's given confidence to a lot of these guys, and the roster has progressively started to perform better. Uh, you know, and it's still not where we want it to be, but, you know, it's not it's not a doomsday scenario like everybody was predicting in the offseason, you know. <laughs> everybody thought it was going to be – uh, Brooke, the Brooklyn Nets of way back situation or the Milwaukee Bucks stint that Jason Kidd had. And Kidd said beforehand that, you know, that's not who he is anymore. He admitted that he jumped into head coaching way too soon. Uh, and that's why he took two years to be an assistant coach with the Lakers and LeBron James. And, you know, he said he learned a lot of stuff from that. And he's comfortable in the Dallas Mavericks organization. So, I mean, I just – I'm not really shocked, and again, it's not like he's been stellar either, but I just think it was premature for everybody to assume that it was going to be a train wreck uh, with Jason Kidd as head coach because uh, he's done a lot better than a lot of people thought he would so far, given the circumstances. All right, I'm going to bring up our next speaker here, Jim Andrews. Jim, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. What you got for me? Um, I wanted to go back to talking about Willie. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of parallels. Like, obviously, personal reasons. It's very mundane, very vague. It's not our business to assume what's going on, but it's kind of similar to Tyrell Terry, in a sense. I agree. Um, Completely. Where it's just, like, it's lingering. I I did a little investigating quote-unquote i looked on willie's latest instagram post and in the comment section it says i'm so sorry to hear about your grandmother willie i'm originally from kinsley and am related to the schultz on your grandmother's side um so i it looks like he's dealing with a loss um but if you were management if you're nico harrison or mark cuban and you know you need that roster spot and you know Marquise Chris is doing he's, – he's played better than Dwight Powell. I know there's a very limited sample size. It's very, very small. But what would you do as an owner um, and governor of the team to try and make your team better but also play the fine line between you know giving Willie his space and making sure that you don't look like a dick as an owner? Yeah, and I mean, Jim, that's a good question to bring up, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that too because, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, look, I get it. I, I sympathize with Willie if, if that's indeed what happened because, I mean, I, I've lost my remaining two grandparents within the last year and a half uh, consecutively. So I get it. It's hard. I mean, you really do need a good bit of time off after that. But, I mean, in my case, I mean, I and I know it's different for – NBA players and everything, but in my case, you know, I I was having to be back at work the next week, and right. I, you know, you you just have to deal with it. You know, it's just something; it just comes with the territory. And 
you know, uh, Willie has been out for five weeks now and I, I really, I hope he's doing okay. I hope everything is, is good with him, but I, I think it's a, it's one of those rare situations where the Mavs could waive him. And I don't think it would be viewed as, you know, Nico Harrison or Mark Cuban being a dick about it because he, if he's not going to play, and I mean, look, he's been out for five weeks now. So if he's not going to play the rest of the season, I don't think, and you know, Marquise Chris coming in, it's not like, I don't really know if Willie would be a big part of, you know, the rotation, even if he was back right now, which is, which is probably why the Mavs have been so, you know, open to letting him stay out for this long, you know, because they realize maybe it doesn't matter. But when it comes down to it, Willie is on the last year of his deal. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason regardless. Whether the Mavs waive him or keep him, he's going to get the rest of his money on that contract. So it's not like by waiving him, they're going to take something away from him, in, in my opinion especially if he's not playing anyway. You know, he can continue to, you know, take care of personal stuff at the house, still get his paycheck. He just won't ha- officially have a spot on the Mavs roster, and the Mavs can utilize it in another way by keeping Marquis Chris or, you know, doing whatever they want to do that way. So that's my thing. I mean, I I, I sympathize with Willie. I sympathize, sympathize with uh, Tyrell Terry when all that was going on. But, you know, at a certain point, the NBA is a business, and I just – I don't think it would make them look bad doing it when you consider that they're still going to get their money regardless because at the end of the day, you have a job to do, and if you can't do it, then, you know, somebody else comes along. and It's just the kind of the circle of life in the NBA, but the that's my take. That's yeah. my take on it. I mean, I know I know some people probably feel a little bit differently, but that's that's how I feel about the situation. Yeah, that's yeah. That pretty much answered and like helped formulate how I think about this roster going forward because I feel like the Mavs really like even when Tyrell wasn't playing like last season, um, we felt that um, that spot missing, and now Frank's basically in that position, right? I know Frank's not a two-way player, but Frank's basically that last guy on the bench that's a guard. And he's already done wonders for us compared to what Tyrell did last year. So I feel like every last roster spot matters. The Mavs realize that, and they're just going to have to – they're going to have to play it out. I don't think Goran Dragic is going to happen. I I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't – they're not going to buy him out. No way. Do Do you see that? Yeah, I, I I disagree with you there. I think I think Dragic will happen in one way or another. You know, I said I've said it before. Even if it's in the off season, I think it's inevitable he's going to end up in Dallas. But uh, I do think that he'll end up uh, being bought out this year. Now it may <laughs> they may wait right up until the trade deadline, and they you know who knows maybe Toronto will be salty if they don't get what they want for him, and you know they wait up until the point. Uh, to cut him where he can't join a playoff team or something like that. But I do think at some point they are going to trade him. I'm Not trade him. They are going to buy him out because they won't be able to find a trade suitable to whatever it is Masai Ujiri thinks he's going to get for a 35-year-old 
uh, expiring contract worth $19 million. So I do think it'll happen. Uh, if it doesn't happen, though, through buyout, I think it will happen in the offseason because, I mean, it's just – we know that's like the number one thing Luca wants. <laughs> he uh, he wants to play with his buddy. He wants to play with his older brother. I think he would uh, – even if Dragic is kind of over the hill and not what he used to be, uh, that kind of presence in the locker room would be even more valuable uh, than when the Mavs had J.J. Barea, who, you know, as we learned from a recent ESPN piece, the Mavs kind of regretted letting Barea go when they did because he was the one that kind of kept Luka and, and KP friendly with each other. And kudos to Jason Kidd again because he's kind of rekindled that, even with Barea not there. But, you know, I, I do think the Dragic stuff will – will happen at some point. I have one more thing to throw at you, if that's okay. Go ahead. So, do you remember um, when J.J. Barea was on J.J. Reddick's podcast? I think it was about, like, two years ago, and he was talking about Luca and, like, just, Luca's great and all this, but the conditioning, like he, like, he doesn't take care of his body yet, and this was, like, two years ago, right? Do you remember this? Yeah, call? yeah, I, I remember... I, vaguely, I remember it, but I, I do remember JJ being on there and them having that discussion. And it's it's weird because it's like, what if in some alternate universe, like JJ was like there for Luca these past two years and was like, hey, look, you really got to take care of your body coming into the season. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I I feel like if Luca was in better shape, if he didn't come into training camp at two sixty, I don't think the Mavs would be in playing territory right now. Like I do feel like it, they're going to go on a run, but I, I don't know. It just seems like it, it seems like if Luca was in better shape, you know, he likes going to the basket. Like we remember his second year, he, he loved driving to the basket. He, it was three pointers, which he wasn't efficient at. And then driving to the basket, he didn't have that mid range game yet. And, um, uh, that's missing. That's missing out of his game, being able to collapse the defense. And it's really obvious conditioning-wise. And I, I don't feel like the Mavs are going to be back or have their full potential until he fixes that issue conditioning-wise. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, there there has to be something uh, – there's something to be said about the <sighs> – I don't want to say the rule changed because it's not like Luca was doing as much flailing and everything as James Harden and some other players were, but you know, just the general, the, the officiating in the NBA in the NBA has been more lenient this year. You know, they, they've been allowing more hand checking guys have been far more physical with each other than they have been in years past. And I think it's going to take a while for, for guys to adjust to that. You know, especially like Luca, because uh, you know, even when he returned last night, it seemed like every single game uh, he's driving to the rim and getting whacked and falling down, and you know, or getting hit on the on the elbow or something. You know, as he's trying to drive by, and there's no call, so and and he gets frustrated by it. So, but there, I mean, it's been happening all season. So, at some point, you just have to accept that this is how they're calling the game now. And like you said, the conditioning is is really the the number one thing for Luca. And I I have to say I was um, and I appreciate you coming on and talking with me here for a little bit, Jim. But uh, 
I, I, I do, I did think that Luca would come into this season in the best shape that he ever had, given that he had played, uh, you know, really well for Slovenia in the Olympics. Uh, there was a short time period between then and uh, training camp, and I thought, you know, maybe him doing that would would keep him in better shape to start the season. But, you know, as it turns out, he was so, I guess, tired after that Olympic run that he just kind of took off a little bit longer than what he thought he should, and he admits that. He says all the right things, Luca does. You know, he knows he has to get better when it comes to the to the conditioning stuff. Uh, he's still a really good player, even when he's not in tip-top shape. But, you know, I think Kevin O'Connor put it best in one of his recent pieces when he said that, you know, Luca is a generational talent, but he's just not a generational worker right now. And, I mean, that – that kind of hurts to hear, but I mean, that's, that's just how it is. I mean, he just, he hasn't proven that he can keep himself in tip top shape year round. Like a lot of the other greats do, you know, LeBron James, you're not going to see him come into a season 30 pounds overweight. It's not going to happen. He takes the ultimate care of his body and the results show for themselves. So, uh, all right, next up, Keith Lewis, Keith, what's up, man? Uh, I think Keith's got Sorry. On. Yeah, I had to unmute myself. How's it going? Going good, man. What you got for me? Um, yeah, I'm just listening to the conversations. And I mean, um, I really had a question for, I mean, it's time um, I posted it in the chat. The question is, um, you know, if we got Goran, that really just answers like one kind of question. I mean, that really just answers the question for Luca that, you know, he, like you said, he wants to play with his buddy. But I mean, I don't think Goran Dragic gets us, you know, in the second round of the playoffs and I'm trying to figure out legitimately how can we build this team since we can't seem to get free agents and you know um there're not really many that many trade ideas to be able to grow this team so I'm trying to figure out like how we really can grow this roster because I mean the 10 day contracts are doing really good but every as you see all these other teams are stacked you know throughout each conference, each team, everybody has their big three. Not saying we need a big three, but yeah, I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts on how we could actually build this team, get getting some really young prospects or some really valuable bets. Well, to to start off, I mean, Goran Dragic, and I've I've said this since the off season, he's viewed as a 16 game player, so. Meaning that, you know, he's probably not going to put up big numbers or make that big of a difference in season. And, you know, it's kind of like a KP situation where you, you want to make sure he's not injured heading into the postseason, make sure he's healthy for that. But when you get to the postseason, that's where having Dragic would, would make a huge difference, in my opinion. Because, and I mean, I mentioned it earlier, I like to see Josh Green. Uh, running the backup point guard spot as, you know, <laughs> at least from an experimental standpoint against OKC last night. But, I mean, if we get to the postseason and you said, hey, do you want Josh Green running the backup point or Goran Dragic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Dragic on that one, you know. so Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think uh, I think he – especially if the Mavs can get him this season. If, they, if he can – get to the Mavs this season, I think he helps 
not only in the locker room with Luca and, you know, kind of guiding him in the right direction, but I, I do think he's still at a point where he could help the Mavs uh, on the court as well. And I think, you know, individually, it's not like he'd be a huge star addition or anything like that, but it helps the balance of the team. You know, guy, it, it takes some pressure off of other guys' shoulders and it just makes things easier having another distributor like that coming off the bench. And you can also uh, start – you can continue to start Jalen Brunson with Luka and not have to worry as much about, you know, how you're going to get that playmaking off the bench. So I, I just – that that's the easiest way for the Mavs to improve the team going forward because, like you said, trade options are kind of limited. Uh, I wrote recently about – uh, you know, maybe the Mavs can try and call the Pistons about uh, Jeremy Grant. It was rumored that they had interest in Tim Hardaway Jr. in the offseason, and, you know, maybe you can do something sending Tim Hardaway Jr. in draft compensation uh, to Detroit. You know, maybe you add Josh Green into a deal like that. Uh, and, you know, that was – I wrote that a little over two weeks ago, and then uh, – Kevin O'Connor from Ringer, he had a piece today that he put out, and he kind of suggested the same thing. <laughs> he was like, well, <laughs> yeah. if, uh, you know, what, maybe the Mavs should call the Pistons about swapping Tim Hardaway Jr. and some picks for for Grant. So, I mean, I don't think that idea is too far off. I think that's probably one of the more realistic things, given the situation. Um, you know, the, the Pistons, Jeremy Grant is no longer the number one focus for Detroit. You know, it's Cade Cunningham now because when when the Pistons signed Grant, they didn't have Cunningham. They didn't expect they were going to be the worst team in the league <laughs> after that. <they laughs> yeah. But you know, despite Grant having big numbers, big statistics, uh, they still ended up being uh, the worst team, and they ended up getting the uh, the number one pick in the draft and. Uh, they ended up getting Cade Cunningham. So Cade Cunningham is the future of Detroit. Uh, they've got some good young pieces on that team as well. And, I mean, Grant, he's 27 years old in the prime of his career. The Pistons are still the worst team in the East <laughs> this year. So, you know, at some point you have to wonder if Grant is, like, reevaluating what he what he wants at this point. And I I think that's probably the Mavs' best – uh, chance at making a big splash in a trade. I, I did think at one point that maybe a Kyrie for Kristaps um, Porzingis uh, situation. I, I thought maybe that might be the best chance, but uh, it, from what from what it looks like, I think Kyrie is going to come back and they're going to realize like, okay, yeah, we're much better with two. I mean, we're much better with three big stars instead of just two. So maybe we will keep Kyrie around. <laughs> <laughs> and just hope he doesn't take another personal leave uh, or hope that you don't get in a, a playoff series where the vaccination stuff comes into play. But uh, I, I have put Grant at the top of my, my Mavs. I don't even want to call it a pipe dream. I, I always do the pipe dream stuff. I don't even want to call it that right now. I do think that's something that's attainable for them. And if you can do it without having to trade KP uh, and you have a, you now have a, a big four, so to speak, of Jalen Brunson, Luka Doncic, 
uh, Jeremy Grant and KP, and then you throw Dorian Finney-Smith in there as your small forward, that's a pretty dang good starting lineup. You know, that's a lineup that, you know, in my opinion, can get you to the Western Conference Finals if healthy. And uh, so, I mean, it's a long season. We'll see how it goes. Trade deadline, like I said, I think it's around the end of February. Uh, And things were supposed to heat up with trade talks around December 15th. But I'm sure all these COVID outbreaks uh, have kind of derailed that for now. But it will eventually pick up. Uh, The Mavs, I think they've had a total of 11 players going into protocols now. And some have come back. And uh, the good news is they don't have many more players who can go (laughs) – go into those protocols so hopefully that's behind them this year uh obviously you can get COVID more than once but you know with with them already having it and a lot of the guys being vaccinated you know maybe maybe that holds it off for the rest of this season at least so we'll see how it goes uh guys that's going to do it for another episode of math step back live i appreciate y'all joining me uh, we're going to come back on here. I'm going to try to come back on here tomorrow with uh, Sam Esfendiari of the the Warriors Light Years podcast uh, to do a little preview before the Dirk retirement, Dirk jersey retirement ceremony that's going to happen on Wednesday after Mavs Warriors. Uh, it just depends on if we can work it into Sam's busy schedule or not. And regardless of that, though, we will be back on here uh, on Thursday around the same time as today. And let's see, what else I got here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't already, if you if you like listening to the podcast on a regular basis, uh, if you sign up for Math Step Back Premium, that is at patreon.com slash mathstepback. We do these really cool watch parties, these virtual watch parties on the playback app. It's in beta testing right now, so it's not it's not available to the public. We send out these private links, and uh, what it is, it's a synced stream of the game. So everybody in the room, it's kind of like here on Green Room. Everybody's in a room watching the game together uh, at the same time, and there's a chat room just like there is here. And we can bring up the little bubbles on stage and we can either do pictures like what you're seeing on your screen now, or it can even be video. And uh, it's really cool. It's, it kind of makes the kind of makes your podcast uh, host, the announcers for the game, and you can do it at any time of the game. It's really cool stuff. So our next watch party is for Mavs Warriors on Wednesday uh, for the Dirk Jersey retirement game. And uh, we hope you guys will, will join us for that one. We're going to have a guest. I think we're going to have uh, Mike Bibbins from the Outsiders podcast. I think he's going to be joining me and hopefully have a couple other people come through and uh, talk with us throughout the night. So, guys, that's going to do it for another episode. Appreciate you joining me. Y'all have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll see you next time.